Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. Today, we're going to talk about technology and kids. And I'm going to ask again, can we please, 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 please stop the war on technology? I always laugh when people use technology to lambaste technology. Technology is so terrible. And they use Facebook on their phone to let everybody know that. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, let's kick it off. I, uh, Man, I was so tempted today. I heard an insanely cool uh, illustration in a different podcast last week. Uh, if you want to give a gander to a separate podcast, Healing Through Pain, look it up. Uh, it's a picture of the podcast host on the front, but it does say Healing Through Pain, so you should be able to find it easily enough. But she talked about how uh, w- when often kids who are traumatized are then triggered, which is a hijacked word, right? And I don't think she used the word triggered, but when, when they are, are in dysregulation, we often, we'll often see parents punish them for them being in dysregulation. And it's very frustrating for me as a counselor because often the source of the trauma that created the dysregulation in their body is the very parent that's now punishing them for dysregulating. And I often am just incensed by that silliness. And and so I I thought about doing that. I've been working on this uh, illustration of, of how our bodies tend to keep score Obviously, a very famous book there titled "How the How the Body Keeps or the Body Keeps the Score," uh, but I've been working on an illustration about about that that I've thought about a boat. I sound a little Canadian there. Maybe my Michigan Canadian thing has gone on. I don't know, but uh, about how that works and, and how we need to recognize that and we need to be on the lookout for it and we need to be aware. Uh, what I have scheduled in my little schedule that I write out uh, probably about every six weeks to, to uh, every, you know, four months uh, is the, the topic of today is what are we going to do with kids and technology? And I'm going to stick with that because there's this stupid, dumb, ineffective, poorly thought out war on technology. Anything that happens Oh my word, it's technology, it's so terrible. They're on the, you know, that when every time your phone dings, there's this thing in the mind, in the back of your mind that will just call you in and you can't get away. And, and I am pro-technology, this is not new. Uh, I used to do a um, honor, honoring kids and technology thing. I used to be the speaker and one of the board members was there one year and, uh, he, he said, well, it sounds like you're saying you'd let your kid play for 10 hours a day. Yeah, I would. And I've never been asked back. Now, maybe it was coincidental, but I don't think so. Because uh, he's like, well, I just won't do that. Okay, dude, that's cool. Like, I'm not saying you have to. This is about opinion. And, and, and I'm very, also very clear on the idea that parenting is one of those things where there's a lot of different ways to do it right. As long as we're getting love and security in there. Love and security, love and security. If we're getting them in there, uh, there's a lot of different ways to do it right. And and so you can do it differently. I don't typically give my kids bedtime. My wife and I were just talking uh, the other night about how our youngest daughter is going to bed at 9 o'clock. 
9.15. Without a bedtime. That's the time she's choosing to go to bed. Why? Because we've gone through the difficult stages of letting her navigate self-regulation. And we've encouraged it. We've There have been times where we've laid down a firm rule. This will be your, your self-regulation. But by and large, we have taught her to self-regulate. And that's very difficult. It's much more difficult than being like, you'll go to bed at this time, period. And, and, and then we end up in a war at this time when other things come up. So we try to avoid the war, fight less battles by teaching our children to self-regulate, which, don't misconfuse me here, has its own battle. So I want you to know today that I am pro-technology. I am pro-empowering children to, to navigate their own self-regulation, to make their own decisions and live in those consequences, and that it's our job as parents to shape those decisions, not make them for them. And so when we start talking about technology, I often feel like that just gets thrown out of the water That's not really the the illustration, but it just gets thrown out the window. That's what we're looking for here. It gets thrown out the window and people are just like, well, I feel, well, okay, you can feel that way, but let's talk about principles of, of, of parenting. And one of my favorite principles of parenting, you know, is less severe, more repeatable. I'm even probably moving to the idea of least severe, most repeatable as your number one choice Whatever, when you look at your parenting choices, whichever intervention is the least severe and the most repeatable is probably the one that I'm moving towards, right? And and at the very least, I'm comfortable to say I am camped out on the less severe, more repeatable. And when we start talking about technology, a lot of times the people really push back on that idea of less severe, more repeatable. Even ones who told me they agreed with it on everything else, well, as soon as technology comes up, they're kind of like, whoa. Or, or they'll tell me about how, like, what they're doing isn't working. And, of course, we always wanted to find that, right? Like, okay, what does not working mean? So I assume doing an intervention with my children doesn't mean that the behavior that I'm trying to correct will stop immediately because that isn't how change works. Change works by people re-engaging the change process. And so they, tr- so I do an intervention. They do something that I think shouldn't be done. I do an intervention. We talk about it. They're probably going to do it again. We're going to talk about it again. We're going to have an intervention and then they're going to do it again. And then we're going to have an intervention and then they're going to do it again. And, and eventually over time, the change will come much like for you and me, the changes that you're trying to bring in your life rarely happen on the first try. And people are all on board with this. Like, like just imagine, put yourself at a parenting conference with me. You're sitting in a chair, maybe at a table. There's some coffee there, some, some sugar, um, maybe a few healthy snacks and, and I'm up front and I'm, you know, I'm looking fly in, in my, in my dress shirt. I, I have a client that uses that word all the time. So I try to use it as much as I can. Cause I just think it's funny. Uh, you know, I've got a comfortable pair of shoes on, so I can stand all day if I need to. We're going to get it done in two hours today. We're going to get it done in 28 minutes. Uh, right. Right. And so I'm there and we're talking and we're talking about like, well, what do we do with kids? Blah, blah, blah. And kids who aren't doing their homework and everybody's on board. Like, yeah, yeah. And then the minute we switch to technology, I'm like, you need to be less severe with your interventions on technology. <gasps> no, why? Because we're all terrified that we're going to screw up our kids. We're all terrified that our kids are going to do something that will alter alter their life forever. And we're all afraid that we're going to repeat our parents' mistakes. Because we've done a good job of recognizing as a society that, hey, there is such a thing as a parent wound. It'll get labeled a couple different things, but there are wounds that come from parenting. But the truth is, we don't do a whole lot of time thinking about our parents' trauma. 
And, and we're arrogant. We, we just are. We're going to get it right. We're going to be the generation that doesn't do it like all the generations before us. And that's arrogance. It, it just is. And, and there's legitimate concern in there, right? I'm not, just because I said that's arrogance, don't go all or nothing thinking on me. There is legitimate fear in there, right? Because, well, my kids are on their phone all the time. What do I do? That's a great question. What about jail? Like, could my kids go to jail for this? Yeah, if they're sending naked pictures back and forth, they can. What about porn? And I don't mean just porn that kids can look up. Kids are sending each other porn. And part of that is we have to have a conversation about what the heck is an influencer. Are they frying their brain? I heard that when they play those video games, that it, when it dings, when the phone dings, it's like Pavlov and the dog, only instead of saliva, like their brain, it morphs and, and we're creating aliens. All right, I'm being a little facetious, but not much. And, and there is probably a concern about frying things. What about predators? This one terrifies me. What about predators? I know an adult who, when she was in college, was going to go meet a stranger she met online. And I'm like, okay, well, tell me why you didn't. Well, my boyfriend at the time lost his mind. Okay, that's probably a good reason. I'm not always a big fan of boyfriends as a dad of three daughters, but hey, that's probably pretty good. Right? And so what I want to ask people is, well, why do you think your kid's on the phone all the time? Why is your kid on the device all the time? Could I suggest to you that it's because there's relationship. Somewhere in that device, there's relationship. One of the things that we are doing is we are taking relationship as a society and we're repackaging it as community or calling it community. And, and I think it should be the other way, right? Community comes before relationship, not relationship before community. And, and so a lot of games, you play with your friends. There's a certain game, uh, I won't tell you its name, but if you were to hide out in a fort overnight, you might get it. Uh, that's suing, uh, its makers are suing uh, a computer company named after the first fruit. Uh, and and th what makes them popular isn't the game itself, like people playing it by themselves. It's being able to play it with other people. In fact, it developed a whole cultural slang. All right, boys, where are we dropping, right? There's this camaraderie, this identity. And those are the things that phones offer. So if you want to teach your children how to interact with technology in a healthy way, you have to teach them about relationships. You have to teach them about interacting with human beings, and you have to talk to them about what relationships look like, what identity looks like. One of the things that we often, one of the reasons I think we often fail our men, and quite frankly our women, because the numbers for women who use porn is climbing, but we fail our men when it comes to porn is because we shame them about it, and we don't admit that there is a relationship component, albeit incredibly distorted, albeit in incredibly uh, unhealthy, there is a relationship component to pornography use that we rarely go after, and so very few people actually find relief in avoiding pornography. And, and then we start talking about jail and porn. Like, it's like, here's something that's just messed up in our society. Two 16-year-olds are dating. They can engage in all of the acts that traditionally would be done between a grown man and woman, ideally in a marriage relationship. One could go over to the other person's house, completely take off all of their clothes, and walk around all day. As long as there's nobody else there, it's just the two of them, and both are consenting, it's legal. If one of them then takes a picture of that interaction and sends it to the other person, we have prosecutors prosecuting them. That's insane. 
It's absolutely insane. It's a mixed message. It's, it's, we've got real problems in how we're handling sexuality. We have inconsistencies. We have uh, huge inconsistencies. And inconsistencies are what trip kids up. Now, well, Joe, all, all kids know they shouldn't take, be taking pictures today. I would hope, but I got to say, my practice, at least the interaction we have with children, would say differently. And again, I'm not saying that, I, don't take this and say, oh, well, he's saying that we should. I'm not saying anything that we should or we should. I'm saying what we should do is have conversations about making our response to how kids interact in a sexual nature much more consistent. And we need to rethink ruining a 16-year-old's life because she sent her boyfriend a picture of herself in a compromising position. Like, that's just, that doesn't make, make zero sense to me. And and that makes you mad? Well, be mad. I don't really care, just to be honest with you. And I know some people are put off by that, that I don't care. That's actually been kind of bothering me lately, that people are put off by the fact that there are things I don't care about. But maybe that means I do care? I don't know. This moment brought to you by Joe's ADHD. But so there is potential jail time for kids that they have to think about. There's potential sex registry, all of that type of stuff. Uh, are they frying their brain? Uh, this one is the one that, that moves me the least, right? Well, I'm worried my kids are frying their brain. Do you know that argument was made about TVs? Like when you and I were kids and when it was TVs, we didn't have technology the way we do today. We had the technology of TV. Uh, that, that was actually made about when radios were put in cars. That was actually a concern. It's going to alter their brain. I'm not kidding. That's an argument. You can look it up. You don't need to trust me. Uh, and women, I don't know why this didn't apply to men, but women, did you know that in the 1800s, in my very own state of Michigan, but all over this fine country and the world, you could be admitted to a mental hospital against your will if you read too many novels. Guess why? Because it might alter your brain. I have bad news for the alter the brain crowd. Everything we do alters our brain. Literally everything. People who go to church regularly, their brain looks different than people who don't. That's science. People who go to concerts regularly, their brain looks differently than people who don't. People who go to sporting events, guess what, boys and girls? Their brain looks different than people who don't. Literally everything you do alters your brain. Our brains are plastic. Neuroplasticity means that they will change based on what we do. And our brain is always looking for ways to do the things that we do more quickly. And so that just doesn't move me. But then the question does become, there are like, okay, so if that isn't what's going on, we're not altering our brain. And, or if we are and it's not a bad thing, well, how do I, like, here's some legit questions that I see people wrestle with. How do I know what my children are doing online? This one to me is easy. You set up their device so that you have access to it. 24-7-365. Like literally right now, my 19-year-old lives in my house but I pay for her phone. If she doesn't want me to have access to her phone, she can buy her own phone. Until then, I could, I haven't, I could walk up and look at it anytime I want. Uh, I have, uh, I'm all Apple all the time, as you know. I have my kids' stuff all set up so that it all forwards to a computer of mine. All their text messages, all of their logins, everything. So I can log in from my computer into anything on their phone that has computer access. The ones that I can't, I can walk over and grab their phone and be like, hey, What's going on here? And that's the other thing. You have a conversation with your kids about, okay, I don't recognize this name. Who is this? Tell me about this conversation. I don't need to know all the details 
about who's shipping on who and who's crushing on who and all that stuff. I just want to know who this person is and who you're talking to. How do you know them? That's, that's all I want to know. Because what I want to do is I want to protect my children and I want them to know and understand that technology is going to be part of our lives forever. So we need to be a, be smart in how we interact with it. We need to be smart and wise. That's the bigger word. We need to be wise in how we utilize it. Like any tool, we have to be wise in how we utilize it. Which usually leads people to ask me the next question that I hear commonly. Well, then how do I know all the platforms and how do I keep up with this coming out next? Well, I go through my purchased apps. Again, because everybody, whatever anybody buys in my family is on my account. I can go in and I can look. And if I don't recognize an app, I can Google it. I schedule time. About every two weeks, I have about 45 minutes, a half hour to an hour, somewhere in there. Uh, No less than a half hour, typically no more than an hour. I have it scheduled into my day to research what's the new technology. What are kids using? I go into Google, DuckDuckGo, whatever you use there. I don't care. Uh, But I go in and I search it and I look and I read articles. There's a couple trusted websites that I go to. And I just read. And I don't always... It doesn't really matter, but I'll look or I'll ask my kids, hey, I heard about this technology. What's going on? Uh, are you using it? There, there's some apps that you can put on your kid's phone that will, will like scan it for you and send you reports. There is a built-in danger to all the apps uh, because they want to give you privacy, air quotes, right? You can't always go, you don't always know what your kids are texting inside the app, right? And Snapchat is the one that most people think of because they send the picture, they write text on it, and it's the preferred way for, for uh, an entire generation to communicate is they'll snap a picture, uh, usually a nonsense picture, and then they type on it and they text it because there's a snap score and snap streaks and kids are trying to run them down. And so, well, Joe, what do I do? I can't read those. That's why I want to know who they're talking to because the truth is I'm never going to be able to know everything that my kids are saying, whether it is over a phone or in person. I sit in the room regularly, in the room therapy room, regularly with people who did not have access to technology Uh, They hung out with kids their age and things still happen that we wouldn't want to happen. It's why it's more about training your kids, which by the way, there's an ancient principle that says train your kids in the way that they should go. It doesn't say discipline them. It doesn't say punish them. It doesn't say scold them. It says train them in the way that they should go. And so we train our children how to handle technology. And at the same time, we want to be involved. It's not either or, it's both and. I want to be involved in what does it mean? Like, what is this technology? What's going on? So for instance, uh, years ago now, my my oldest daughter wanted to play Quiz Up. It was an app where uh, you could pick a category and they would give you a certain amount of time and you had, you know, multiple choice. You had to pick the right questions. I played the game. I enjoyed it. I was like, yeah, go ahead. And then one day I realized, oh, she's messaging people inside the app, people that she's meeting and did these different rooms. They updated it. I didn't do the update. So I got him. So I asked him like, hey, who are you talking to there? Oh, this person here. And we have this conversation. Well, Joe, what do I do if my kid doesn't want to tell me? You're not going to like this answer. So if you don't like having to look at yourself first, just turn me off right now. It's okay. Go ahead. Go look up Healing Through Pain and listen to her. Uh... If your kid doesn't want to tell you, you have to ask yourself some hard questions. Is it because you're not a safe person for them to tell things you don't want to hear? Or is it because they're just teenagers and they're trying to stretch their wings and figure out what it means to be independent and have their own privacy? And how do you strike that balance? And, And again, don't misread me here. I'm not saying that you can't say, okay, well, if you're not going to talk to me about this, 
there's consequences. That's fine. But those consequences need to be commensurate with what's going on and they need to protect the relationship and solve the problem. Not just solve the problem at the expense of the relationship. So you have to be vigilant. That's how you know the different platforms. That's how you chase them down. You ask your kids. Well, they might not tell me. Then ask them again and again. And if they keep not telling you, start looking inward first, then look outward. Is there, here's another question. You said that there's a correlation between relationships and smartphone technology. Can you tell me more about that? I hear that a lot. Yeah, sure. I think everything we do in life is about relationships, literally everything. And, and so people who are on their phone, there's a relationship, whether it's Facebook, there's so many people that view Facebook and those friendships, like that's their friendships. And given COVID and the lockdowns and the way the last two years have gone, that's only going to get more intense. And so your kids are connecting to people, hopefully people that they know in real life, but they're connected. But none of that, just the game itself brings some, or the technology itself brings some level of relationship. It gives them something to do with their brain. It gives them some way to shape the story in their head. And, and, and what happens is we tend to go after everything but the relationship. So I don't, my son just can basically play on his device when he wants. He has a phone that doesn't have a SIM card, so it doesn't connect to like phone towers, so he has to be connected to the internet. And he's used it. We had, a co- we had a conversation about entropy last week. He's nine. We've had a conversation about Newton's three laws of technology. Oh, I didn't know there was such a thing called a sea cucumber that actually lives in a river, which is kind of weird to me, but he learned that on YouTube. And for a while he was into volcanoes, and then he was into uh, World War II, well, does he watch silly stuff? Yeah, he watches silly stuff. Stuff that honestly annoys me, like like the, the volume of it, the sound of it. But you know what? He does it right next, literally laying right next to me. He'll do it. He'll watch it. And I'll be like, dude, can you turn that down? But I listen in for a few minutes. Because there's a, there is a correlation between relationships with smartphone technology. Well, if you let your son on his phone all the time, doesn't that mean he's on his phone all the time? No, actually it doesn't. You'll, you'll hear him playing regularly. You'll hear him you know, building uh, civilizations and, and taking something that he watched on YouTube and then recreating it in, in his room. You'll hear him outside playing with things, turning uh, hangers into airplanes. Because here's one of the things, when you make something off limits or you demonize it, oh, technology, it's so bad, it's so bad. I'm so, it's just ruining this generation. That's why we have all these problems. Well, obesity because of technology, and I don't want my kids to be obese. Well, maybe you should teach your kids to respect their bodies and risk letting your kids play outside without you having to watch over them. I'll throw that out there. When we make something a demon, what happens is the kids want it. There's nowhere in the history of the world that prohibition worked. It didn't work with alcohol in the 1920s. Let's just be honest. It's not working with the drug war, air quotes. It's not. Prohibition isn't working. It doesn't work. It makes, it create, it doesn't make anybody do anything. I almost call myself there. It creates an environment where kids are more likely to want to go sneak things. Well, Joe, they have to learn obedience. Oh, okay. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, not maybe. Of course. We, we need to learn to obey those that are in authority over us. I, don't, I wouldn't disagree with that. But there's also th- principles about like not exasperating your children to anger. Someone wrote that in, in ancient times. They wrote, don't, don't exasperate your children to anger. Why? Because that's the better way to live. It's the better way 
to engage our children by setting them up for success by like, hey, here's the thing. So, so what happens is I want my kids, and I hope that you adopt this. To I'll be honest with you, I really do hope you adopt this. I want my kids to just look at technology like any other tool. It's something that we can utilize in our life that can make our lives immensely easier than people 100 years ago or 50 years ago. It's something that we can do that has a lot of payoffs and it has a cost, right? Because you shouldn't do anything without measuring the cost. You don't build a house without first asking yourself, do I have enough money to build it? Uh, That's just, that's a principle that's been around forever, for a long time at least. And, And so I want to teach my children that it's just a tool. So I let my kid on his phone. And when I really think he's been on it too much, like, hey, dude, why don't you come do this with me? Or why don't you go outside and play? Or, hey, have you played with your whatever today? And then I walk away because some days people just need to chill, even kids. Have you never just laid in bed or on a chair or on a couch all day? Your kids get to do that too. Well, they don't have to work like I do. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. So we, we need to navigate. One of the questions that comes up with in this conversation was, well, what about the different stages of my child's development? How do I navigate those? Well, we start with this principle of my goal is to teach my children that technology is a tool that's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. And I, I, I have to be able to look at it like that. And they do too. I have to be able to look and say, it's just a tool and it has a lot of benefits and there is a cost because everything has benefits and cost. Well, some things maybe not, but I don't know. I don't like universals. So as we start navigating uh, the different stages of our kids, if you're laughing at me right now, I want you to know I'm laughing at me. This has been probably uh, an episode where my ADHD has come out more than perhaps the most of any episode in the three years that I've been doing this. We want to navigate our kids' stages of development in the same way that we would anything else. And I'm always amazed that people are like, well, I'll let my kid drive the car wherever they want, and I don't know where they're going with it or how fast they're going, but they can't have fill in this app because they might do something that they shouldn't. That is an incongruent message to me, and I believe that's an incongruent message to the child. You know, you hear all sorts, well, smartphones interrupt sleep. Well, okay, so do books. When my one daughter was like in second grade, my wife walked into her room at 2.30 in the morning. She was reading a book. I actually know where she got that because her father did that all the time when he was a kid, and he didn't have access to the technology that she does. But he would read books until 2, 3, 4 in the morning because books are technology. Well, we want kids to read. Right. We want them to understand how to use technology. Okay, so let's talk about just a few practical steps. So at this point, it's been more kind of a shotgun approach to some different ideas. I, I want to offer six really simple and, uh, you know, easy to do. Well, simple to do, probably difficult also, or hard. And, and, and this is how I think we need to approach things. We need to talk first and talk often with our kids. You be the one to bring it up. You be the one to start the conversation. You be the one to ask the questions. You be the one to ask the questions on repeat. You be the one to invite the child to more. You be the one to invite the child to do better. Talk first and talk often. Be safe. Please be safe. And I don't mean safe like physical safe. I I hope that that's just understood. When your kids tell you things that you don't want to hear, 
because you don't want them to do those things or you don't believe things the way they do or they don't believe things the way you do, make sure that your response is measured. Make sure that your response is, is what a friend of mine calls calm reassurance. And it can be an invitation to more, right? That's why we start with talk first, talk often. Be safe. Don't forget the less severe, more repeatable. I, again, I'm, I'm almost to least severe, most repeatable. Don't focus on the device, focus on the relationship. It's not about the device or the technology. You're not going to be around forever to help your kid figure out how they should interact with technology. So empower them to do the self-regulation. Empower them to fail while you're there to help them pick up the pieces. Remember, consistency always wins. And I hate universals. Consistency wins. It wins, it wins, it wins, it wins. And then be focused on emotional security. And if you don't know what that is, spend some time going through my shows, buy my book, uh, come see me, it, it, whatever. We, we've got some conferences. We've moved them to the spring of 2022, but we've got some conferences that we're excited to offer you. Men, I'm offering, I'm going to be offering one just to you on what does it mean to lead my family? How do I gain clarity? And we're going to get away for, for three or four days to, to Florida, and we are going to just dive into that topic. Couples, we have some for you. Uh, we've got some things coming. We want you to get in those, but they all revolve around the idea of emotional security because I do feel that's important. When it comes to this topic of technology, so often parents blow up. They don't think about the consequences of how they're responding to the thing that they're afraid of. Right, and so when, when, when you're afraid, we tend to not think, we tend to react. So what I want people to be is I want them to be proactive. Intentionality wins, right? And so that's why we start with, okay, I need to be the one that talks first and talks often. And I need to expect that my children will resist that because that is the nature of parent and children, uh, not adult children relationship. Because they're trying to figure out what does it mean to stretch my wings and grow and be my own person. I have to be safe for my children. I have to be a person that my children can tell me, hey, this happened, uh, or, or and I don't want you to overreact. Like, I just don't want the idea that I could overreact. I don't want it to be in my kid's brain that I could be overreact. I used to joke a lot about what I do to my daughter's boyfriends. And I still do to some extent, but I, I feel like I've curtailed it quite a bit because I don't want my kids to think that they can't tell me about their boyfriends doing something, or like if their boyfriends do something that's destructive. I want them to see me as a resource, not an impediment to health and healing. This is why I'm never going to focus on the device. I'm going to focus on the relationship, whether it's my relationship with my children, my children's relationship with me, or the relationship that they have with the device or the technology. Because that's where change happens. Consistently engage that for emotional security. All right, so I told you I'd to be done in 28 minutes and I'm a little bit over that. Hopefully this is helpful to you. If you have any questions, obviously feel free to reach out. Uh, if you like this, please share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.